Hi, and welcome to the Local Church Podcast. I'm Jake Chambers, and I get to be the host of this podcast. And we are a church plant, a little church community, learning to be with Jesus together in Gate Harbor in Port Orchard, Washington. We're not experts, but learners, learning not just about Jesus, but how to be with Jesus, to be still, to be present, to be local, to be with Jesus in this moment, enjoying him together. So whether you've been following Jesus for decades or are just now starting to explore him, you can come, learn with us, learn to be with Jesus together with us. May you be blessed by this podcast and may more and more of heaven be breaking into your life into Gig Harbor, into Port Orchard, so that it might be on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. That's Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. Uh, This week, going on quite the journey, we're going to go through 10 chapters of the book of Revelation, go 10 through 20. Um, Obviously, we won't be able to go too deeply into any of those, but kind of give an overview and uh, put together some of the, the key themes. And uh, before we dive in, some of those themes that we're going to see just come up in different ways over and over again. If you remember, we talked about in week one that uh, the book of Revelation is kind of cyclical in nature. It's not it's not a linear book. Um, different themes come back around, come back around, come back around, and kind of spiral up to paint a bigger and bigger picture as you're going through the book. That's Um, the kind of type of literature it is and we're going to kind of see that over these 10 chapters and one of the main themes is the way of the lamb versus the way of the dragon Um, the way of Jesus love and forgiveness and justice and goodness or the way of the dragon which is a counterfeit it's a cheap imitation of Jesus's ways um, pretending to offer life and love and abundance but actually offering death and destruction and division. Um, Another theme we'll see is worship and witness. uh, That over and over throughout this book, you'll get um, a judgment, you'll get um, a description of what's going on in the world, you'll get um, predictions, but it'll be interrupted. There's these just interruptions where we get a picture of what's going on in heaven and in the heavens and there's worship, worship of Jesus, worship of God on his throne, that no matter what's going on in our world or has gone in in our world or will happen in our world, God is on his throne worthy of worship and his people witness, they're to witness to God's goodness in his worthiness of worship. And so that theme comes up uh, as well. Uh, it, there's the theme and call, um, the call to leave the evil imitation and enter into the new creation. An invitation to leave the evil imitation of the dragon's ways 
and to enter into the new creation, um, what God is doing in bringing his new kingdom. And then finally, probably the most significant theme we see in these 10 chapters is that Jesus is the just, true, faithful judge. Uh, His judgments will be good, they will be fair, they will be right, and they will be final. There will be a final judgment. Um, And that is revealed to us over and over and over in these 10 chapters. Not only that there will be judgment uh, for evil and that this cheap imitation will be judged, but also that judgment will be just um, and it will be final. So let's start to move through these chapters. Chapter 10, uh, John is just reminded to to open the scroll and to prophesy. Uh, Chapter 10 verse 11 says, and I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Uh, And so he continues to speak what he has seen and what God has spoken to him to speak uh, in this second part of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11, verse 11, um, or verse 4, chapter 11. uh, This paragraph, uh, I read a quote by N.T. Wright that said, um, the book, uh, many books are puzzling, but the Bible is often considered one of the most puzzling books. Um, And then within the Bible, the book of Revelation is often considered to be the most puzzling book in the puzzling book of the Bible. And then within the book of Revelation, these paragraphs in chapter 11, 1 through 14 are often considered the most puzzling book, the most puzzling section of the most puzzling book in the most puzzling book of Bible. (laughs) I'm losing it here. It's puzzling even trying to get this quote out. Um. And so there's just been a lot of like, what is going on here? It's really weird. There's these two prophets. They come, they prophesy, they die. There's beasts, there's pits, there's plagues, there's earthquakes. It's just all sorts of stuff. And it's like, what? Who are these guys? What's going on? There is a hint here. Um, And I'll allow you to study this passage on your own. But a major hint is in verse 4 where it says, these are the two, talking about the two prophets that are in this little passage. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Um, And what many theologians believe, uh, that we get the major hint of who these prophets are by the two lampstands. We've already learned in Revelation chapter 1 that lampstands are the church. Uh, In in Hebrew history, a witness, a court witness, would be verified if there's two or more witnesses. And so... What this is pointing to is the, the verified, faithful witness of two lampstands. It signifies the faithful witness of God's church. And that even as God's church suffers, which is the suffering you see in these verses, um, even through their suffering, uh, they will continue to be a faithful witness. They will not stay suffering. They will not stay dead. They will, the, the church will live on rise with Christ and many will come to know Jesus through the church's faithful and verified witness. Um, We'll come back to chapter 11 later, but let's move on to chapter 12. Chapter 12, um, another crazy chapter. Chapter 12, verse 9 
says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so we have this picture of the dragon. The dragon symbolizes Satan. Um, verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. Uh, so this reminder that who Satan is, he's this dragon, and he comes to accuse. Jesus doesn't accuse you. When you hear those voices of you're not enough, you failed again, you'll never amount to anything, God doesn't love you because you keep falling into the same sin, accusations never come from God. They, they come from the accuser, and Satan accuses the church day and night. And we can resist the devil, and he will flee from us, it says in James. Resist his lies, resist his accusations, um, and come to Jesus. Jesus gives conviction, not condemnation. Condemnation leaves you feel accused and with no way out. Conviction says, oh man, I have failed, I have sinned, but I have hope because of what Jesus has done for me. Conviction leads you to God's forgiveness and his comfort. Condemnation leaves you down the road of despair, and it comes from the accuser. A lot of stuff goes on in chapter 12. Um, a lot of, again, symbolism of the dragon trying to swallow this baby born from the woman, um, uh, most theologians believe that's pointing to when Herod tried to have Jesus killed right as soon as he was born. Um, you can read about that story in the Gospels. And then there's just this kind of continuing attack of Satan on Jesus and on Jesus's people. Uh, chapter 13, a uh, key, key part at the end of verse 2 says this. Now we, it says, it's talking about this other beast rising from the sea. Um, and it says about this beast, And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Uh, and many believe what is being referred to with this first beast, it was Rome. Um, in that context, it was talking about Rome. And that Satan literally was the, was the one behind Rome's power. Um, that they were doing satan's work with all of the idolatry and how does this apply it to us today it's just any empire nation or power um, that is living for the way of the dragon uh, it's a reminder that that's that's exactly who is who's running these systems of evil and brokenness and slavery and addiction in these systems that keep us trapped it's because satan is the one ultimately behind it and that's what the first beast signifies. Then Rome, but any of the Rome or Babylons, any any evil system continuing, it reminds us that it's it's there's really Satan behind it. Um, and then it talks about this second beast. In the second beast, um, in verse 12, it says, It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. And so, um, what theologians often believe here is that this is the this is the propaganda machine, and it's any it's it's economy, it's religions, it's the world we live in that points to the worship of a nation or an empire. Or at this time, it was literally how everything had been corrupted 
to make you worship Rome. And a really telling thing about the second beast is verse 11 says this, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. See, the second beast it, it tries to pretend it's the lamb. It's saying this is the way of the lamb. Um, in that time, for instance, there was a thing like the Pax Romana. And the Pax Romana was this idea of Rome brings peace. Uh, but it, it, it's pretending to be the way of the lamb, a way of bringing peace. But the way that Rome brought peace was through domination and slaughter. It brought peace by conquering and putting its people in slavery and making them submit to the way of the dragon. Um, it is not true peace. It's fake. It, it dresses up like the lamb, but it's the way of the dragon. Um, and this is still happening today. This is still happening today. Uh, any political or business or world system. I mean, today, if you, well, the way of the beast, um, let's continue on in verse 16. It says, also it causes both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. No one can buy or sell. It's when the entire economy is built around the way of the beast. And we see this today. Like if we, much of the clothes that we buy are made by slaves or in sweatshops, by children that are mistreated or women that are mistreated. Many of the stuff that we buy is destroying uh, the earth and the planet. And and it, it is hard to even participate in the American economy without participating in the way of the dragon. It actually takes uh, a, a lot of discipline and research um, to even just buy clothes that's not participating in the way of the dragon. Um, that's how much it's permeated the culture and society. There are government-run churches even that have to participate in the way of the dragon to, to have their religion. And that was part of what was, was happening then. Uh, so intense, intense. The other thing theologians point to is this, is this is the cheap imitation of the Trinity. This is the unholy Trinity, the dragon and the first and second beast. Um, Satan's always trying to imitate the real thing, but he is a cheap imitation. Verse 18, this famous part about uh, the 666, it says, This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Um, very famous part. Most Now, most theologians believe this number, 666, if you unpack the symbolism and um, use kind of this Hebraic numbering that, that it stood for Nero, and um, it was pointing to Nero, and again, that makes sense with the Rome. Uh, but it's also very symbolic of being short of perfection. I remember seven was this number of perfection, of holiness. It was um, the number symbolic for so much of who God is and what he is doing. And so this is the short of perfection, short of perfection, short of perfection. It's the cheap imitation once again. Uh, nowhere in the book of Revelation does it talk about the Antichrist. 
Um, that's a famous theme when people think of Revelation. They often think of the Antichrist. Uh, that's not in the book of um, that's not in the book of Revelation. Uh, when people are talking about it potentially being in the book of Revelation, what they're talking about is this verse here, um, where it says, uh, "For it is the number of a man, and his number is six six six." That is usually, but very helpful to understand the the Antichrist. If we go to First John chapter four, much of what we understand about the Antichrist is is just cultural. Um, and it's just the stuff we've gotten from books and movies and not really from scripture. And in history, people have thought and just about everyone was the Antichrist from like every president we've ever had in the U.S. was the Antichrist. Uh, someone thought so and could point to some crazy system to figure it out. Um, one of the funny ones is Ronald Wilson Reagan because uh, there's six letters in the name Ronald, six letters in the name Wilson, and six letters in the name Reagan. Um, and now people look back and consider him one of the better, uh, presidents, um, that we've had ever. And, uh, but at the time, you know, that's not what people thought. So it's funny what happens when we're just doing guesswork and trying to break the code rather than understanding context. And so let me show you first John, first John, very helpful here. First John chapter four. Uh, verse 2 and 3 says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Uh, so the Antichrist is any, any spirit that does not confess that Jesus is from God. Any spirit that tries to deny who God, who Jesus is. Um, and it's said in 1 John that that spirit is already there. It was already there, already working. It's, it's a satanic, demonic work to try to take away the deity of Jesus. Um, it was there 2,000 years ago, and it's still operating today. So the Antichrist, not likely, like the movies say, to be some person who's going to come... Um, no, it's, it's any system, person, uh, thing, or movement that is trying to deny the deity of Christ, trying to deny that Jesus is on the throne forever and ever worthy of our worship. Um, so, let's press on chapter 14. We have still got a lot of chapters to go. Chapter 14, verse 12 says this, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. A call for the endurance of the saints. There is a reminder that for God's people then, there was persecution, there was pressure, there was so much of what Revelation is, is this, they're feeling like Satan's winning. They're like, man, the, the dragon is winning, the beast is winning, Rome, what is going on in John has gotten this vision. It's showing, no, God is on the throne. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. And there will be justice. There will be restoration. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so if you're feeling like, man, it just feels like darkness and evil is winning. There's so much division. There's so much confusion. There's so much judgment just going on in the world. What is happening? No, God is still on his throne. 
He is ruling and reigning. He will make all things new. And the call for us as God's people is a call for the endurance of the saints. We are not home yet, but we get to endure as we walk with Jesus and invite others to know Jesus. He says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. We keep walking the ways of Jesus even when it feels like no one else is. Even when there's pressure and persecution to walk and keep his commandments. We endure keeping his commandments and keeping our faith in Jesus. And if you are feeling discouraged, I want to just encourage you for the call for endurance of the saints. Keep walking in Jesus' ways and keep your faith in Jesus. Chapter 15. Chapter 15, we start to see some of the pictures of God's judgment. Um, This is the verse I opened with, 15 verse 3. says, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. I love it. This is the song that is being sung to Jesus. Um, Great, amazing, just, and true. God's ways are great, amazing, just, and true and true. Hang on to that word just. It's important as we move forward to verse 16. This is when the bowls of God's wrath start to be poured out. This is some of the symbolism. This is where some of the judgment is coming. Uh, listen to verse 5 and 6. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink, it is what they deserve. Verse 7, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Now when people read Revelation, they read of judgments and lake of fire and smoke and torment and all this stuff. It's kind of like, this doesn't sound fair. This sounds off. This and what is going on? Like, I don't know, like maybe you... Most of our views of hell are, again, they're influenced by culture and books and movies and cartoons growing up, and we really don't know that much about uh, hell. We have sim- symbols, and so often people, they don't love the God of the Bible or want to know the God of the Bible because they're like, well, how could a God of Bible throw people in hell if hell's like this and that? And here's what, here's what we know for sure. And we see over and over and over in Revelation. This is so important. Everyone that witnesses God's judgment. Everyone that witnesses God's judgment in the end. The angels witnessing. All of creation witnessing. God's people witnessing. They cry out true Injust are your judgments. In verse 6, it says, It is what they deserve. See, anyone that falls under God's judgment will get exactly what they deserve. And, and this comes up over and over and over in these 10 chapters. Nowhere does anyone witnessing say, That is not fair. Nowhere. Here's what you We may not fully grasp what this eternal punishment will be like. What we do know 
And so we want to avoid it, and Jesus offers a way to avoid it. And that all that witness this judgment will say, just and true are your judgments. Meaning you will never see God's judgment and say, not fair. How could a loving God do that? No one, no one that witnesses are saying that. They're not saying, how could a loving God do that? That is not fair. They're all just saying, just and true, just and true, just and true. Oh my goodness, Lord God Almighty, your judgments are true and just. Great and amazing are your deeds. And that's so encouraging to know that we don't have to be the final judge. It's not our role, but we worship the one whose judgment is just and true. Praise God. If we continue on, last part of verse 9, it says, They did not repent and give him glory. And then last part of verse 11, they did not repent of their deeds. See, God brings judgment in order to invite repentance. He's just over and over. That's what he does. He invites repentance, invites repentance, invites repentance, invites repentance. Chapter 17. Um, Chapter 17, another kind of weird picture. You get the picture of the great prostitute. The great prostitute um, rising up in in its will be called Babylon. We realize that it is Babylon. Um, Verse 5, it says, And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. Uh, And this is a picture, again, Babylon was symbolizing Rome, but the prostitute is again the cheap imitation. A prostitute is a cheap imitation for a bride. Those that run to a prostitute, the prostitute promises to give some sort of intimacy or satisfaction and just always leaves you wanting, dirty, and ashamed. It's a cheap imitation for the bride. It's so much better to have a loving and faithful bride than to run to a prostitute. And God's bride is his church. That God's people that know Jesus and love Jesus and have intimacy with Jesus get to be his beautiful bride in his church. And when we run to the lies of what the world offers, you're running to a prostitute. Um, The prostitute also is very symbolic of all sexual morality. Just all sexual desires and actions and deeds that are outside of the commitment of marriage between one man and one woman. Um, Any sexual thoughts, actions, deeds, practices, whether it's prostitution, pornography, lustful thoughts, um, fetishes, addictions, any of that other junk, affairs, sex before marriage, any of these things, any sexual thoughts, actions, or deeds outside of the commitment between one man and one woman within marriage is a form of worshiping this prostitute, worshiping the great prostitute, and it leaves you wanting. It's not as full as life in Jesus' ways. Chapter 17, verse 14 says this, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called chosen and faithful. And it's this reminder that the great prostitute and these ways of lies, and anywhere where we're seeing just sexual junk being celebrated in our culture, it is war on Jesus. And it feels like that's winning in our culture, but a reminder that the way of the Lamb will win. 
will win. The Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's good news for us. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, second part of verse 2 says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Um, It's the good news that the way of the dragon, the way of the dragon has fallen. It will fall. Um, It will fall. I love uh, verse 6. Maybe this is a weird thing to love, but um, talking about Babylon, it says, Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. Um, It just says that it shows measures of judgment. Um, that Babylon will be judged and judged for the, the measure of, of what they've caused. Um, again, it shows a picture of God's just judgment. Um, no one's going to say, oh, they're getting away with something. They're not getting punished enough. They're going to say, no, that's that repay, repaid for their deeds, double for their deeds. They're getting what they deserve. Um, also, here and other places in Scripture, you do see levels of God's judgment. Again, this is all so much mystery. Um, but I think people wonder, you know, well, what about that nice old lady who didn't know Jesus, but, you know, she just was a normal, regular sinner. Um, is she going to get the same judgment as, you know, the rapist serial killer? And the answer to that is no. I, I don't think she is. I think she'll get exactly her just judgment and the rapist serial killer will get exactly their just judgment. Again, everyone that witnesses will say that is just. and How great and true and just were God's judgments. And they'll say they're getting the exact portion that they deserve. Um, The way of... Babylon, the way of dragon. This is another key in chapter 18, verse 11 through 13. It says that merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, Cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. Just this huge list of the cargo and just the the flourishing we can see in Babylon. Um, the wealth and the flourishing and the goods and the spices. And it seems like they have everything, but the way of the dragon does not go unnoticed by God. I mean, we participate in an economy where a lot of times we don't know if what we're buying is from slavery, is is a part of human trafficking, is a part of sweatshops, is a part of, but God sees all of it. That end of verse 13 where it says, and slaves, that is human souls. And that's, that's at the end of this list for a reason. It's saying, man, you might see all the success that the way of the dragon is bringing and it seems like, man, what is going on? And God sees when it is brought there by oppression. When it is oppression, when it is slavery, people sometimes believe the Bible is pro-slavery just because slavery is in the book. It's in the book because slavery is in the world and the book tells of the ways of the world. But right here we see that Babylon is going to be judged for all the slavery that has happened. God sees it and it will be judged. 
God is against oppression and will judge all forms of oppression. So chapter 18, it's the fall of Babylon. Chapter 19, verse 1 says this, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. Again, there it is. His judgments are true and just. That is what all that will witness His judgments will cry out. Chapter 20 just ends with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. It talks about God's final judgment on the white throne of judgment. Uh, Verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Again, there it is judgment according to what they had done it shows kind of these degrees and levels of judgment what is it mystery but it'll be just and true and says then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire god's final judgment so there you have it a quick that's again not everything um, but a quick view of those 10 chapters. And I want to close us with this picture from chapter 11, verse 15. This is, this is the longest podcast we've done so far. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, I know there was a lot in there. Hopefully getting some of these big themes and pictures is helpful. Chapter 11, verse 15. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says this, And the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of the world, with all of its darkness, all of its lies, all of its accusations, all of its addictions, has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. This is this is the future coming. And he shall reign forever and ever. But we will have an eternal, good, glorious, wonderful king. And he won't just serve four years and then move on or decade and then move on. No, forever and ever and ever. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. It will become the kingdom of heaven. And he will reign on the throne forever and ever. He will slay the dragon and the beast. The way of Satan will be gone from this world and the way of Jesus will reign forever and ever. And you can be a part of it. We can be a part of it. We can invite others to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it by grace, by the work that Jesus has done. We've all followed the way of the dragon almost on a daily basis. We've all judged the judge saying, oh, you're not just and fair. If only I was God, I'd be more just and fair. Those things make it where we deserve death. We deserve the lake of fire. We deserve judgment. But Christ took the judgment we deserve for us on the cross. He took it for us on the cross. And we can receive Him as our substitute and enjoy the fruits, the glory, and the blessing of living in the way of the Lamb forever and ever with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Local Church Podcast. We are a church in Gig Harbor in Port Orchard that is learning to be with Jesus together. If you'd like to know more, you could find us on Instagram at localchurchgh or online at localchurchgh.com. Feel free to reach out to us and we can get you directions to a gathering. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and you are invited. We'd love to see you there. With that, let me leave you with this blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.